I feel like I have so much little control over my body and fashion was always the one thing I was like I can make myself look exactly how I feel yeah so yeah it's always been such an important thing to me Hi, I'm Brooke Melhouse. Welcome to Disabled and Proud, the podcast that does exactly what it says on the tin. Each week, the show highlights an awesome disabled guest speaking about their own disability, why they're proud to be disabled, and why they're proud to be themselves. Hi, Ellie. Welcome to Disabled and Proud. How are you? Hello, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm really good, thank you. And I know I always say this about every conversation I have but I'm genuinely really looking forward to this because I can't wait to hear about your journey through fashion and how you ended up creating what you've created and I'm not going to give too much away because it's all for you to speak about but I'm really looking forward to it and and all about you and your story because I've watched a couple of your YouTube videos I obviously follow you on Instagram and like I just love what you've created and I can't wait to hear more about that and, and like from your own point of view so I'm really looking forward to this today oh wow thank you that's so lovely <laughs> that makes me so happy yeah, I'm really excited so when you asked me I was like so excited to come on so yeah thank you very much for asking me well so to kick things off I like to ask everybody how did they refer to their own disability yeah sure so I refer to my disability as a physical one. Um, So my disability is very visible. Um, So I, for those that don't know, I'm a full-time wheelchair user. So I have a condition called spinal muscular atrophy type two. Um, So it's basically, it affects all the muscles in your body and um, they gradually get weaker over time. So I've used a wheelchair since I was two years old. Yeah. Um, So... Yeah, it's um, it's it's quite it's kind of a severe condition, but where I've kind of had it all of my life, I don't really notice a lot of the severeness of it. Um, it's it's always it's not until I like lose another skill or something that I'm like, oh god, like yeah, this has suddenly changed my life quite a lot. So it affects quite a lot. So it can affect your breathing, your ability to eat, holding up your head, like. It it does it does it all. It it, it does um yeah, it's not like the best, but it's fine. We did we move. Yeah. It's funny that you say that you you obviously like that's how you were born because it's the same as me. And I always think it's funny when trying to talk about your disability, you kind of forget that like your disability is not the norm. And I'm like, when I have to try and explain yeah, things to people, I'm like, oh, you don't have that? Oh, like, oh, maybe that's a me thing. Or maybe that's a disabled thing. Like, I don't know. <laughs> no, literally, I always forget, like, it's so, so normal to me. And like, I have to have a personal assistant with me, um, like, all the time. And uh-huh. yeah, I just forget people don't have to, like, organize that. Or like, they don't <laughs> yeah. have, like, another person in their house all the time. It's really weird. And and what was it like for you in childhood growing up as a disabled child? Because I always think it's interesting how like your disability changes from like childhood to adulthood because it, there is like a definite like changing point. And I just wondered what was that like yeah. for you? Oh God, it's, it's a journey. It's um, <laughs> so like in childhood, honestly, I was like fine. I was so unbothered about being disabled. Yeah. If anything, I was like very proud of it actually and um 
I was like, yeah, I can do this. Like, I just wanted to show up in all these different spaces. Like, I love doing theatre. I loved, like, literally everything. I I I was always quite shy, but I just loved, I just, yeah, I loved going out with my friends. I was just like, there's no reason why I can't do any of this stuff. And, like, my parents were amazing. They would, like, carry me into, like, children's play areas and stuff. So I never really felt like I missed out on anything at all yeah. really um or I didn't view it that way I think from the out because I've seen like old videotapes you know like the old VHS's <laughs> yeah. and, and um it's really weird watching it back because you don't notice so much stuff when you're a yeah. kid you're just like you're just living life you're just having a ball like I was just more bothered about like playing with my poly pockets than anything else but um yeah, and then to be honest, like, God, teenage years being disabled and not the one. It was just, yeah. God, no, it weren't the best time. And um, I think it was because I noticed that other people, and it's definitely not everyone, but I think when you go to secondary school, I noticed other people were becoming awkward around me. And that made me feel incredibly awkward about myself. And then I was, like I said, I'm already a little bit shy person but it made me go completely like can't talk to anyone I don't know what to say I don't have anything valuable to say so then like in secondary school I was like pretty almost embarrassed to be disabled yeah which is I'm still I'm not embarrassed anymore but there's still no elements of that that I'm still trying to unlearn and come out of because yeah it really it does fuck you up a bit sometimes when you start to believe all this stuff about yourself it's obviously not true, but you, I think, think it's yeah. super interesting that you say that when you noticed other people noticing you, because that, yeah. that is quite a big thing. It's not necessarily like, as we've said, like you, for us, disability <laughs> is the norm. So when you notice other yeah, people exactly. noticing you doing things differently and then their reaction to that impacts how you see yourself, I think that's like it's it's almost like being in the Truman show, isn't it? Because you're like watching yourself, but not watching yeah. yourself, but watching yourself through the lens of someone else that's not you. And it's it's it is just an absolute head fuck. <laughs> yeah, no, it really is. It's um I remember like I noticed a friend was actually never would walk next to me. She'd always walk like away, like if we were out in town, yeah. for example. And this is when we were older. I won't go into detail, but like we, we were above the age of like 13, 14, which is the awkward phase. And um, I was like, we should have grown out of this like behavior by now. And I noticed like they would never walk near me or like wouldn't want to kind of be seen as being, being out with me. And I asked my other friends, I was like, am I delusional or is this happening? And they were like, yeah, no, they are doing that. And I was like, Jesus Christ. This is bad. Thanks so much, pal. <laughs> Good Literally. friend you are. <laughs> ain't, pal. <laughs> ain't pals no more. You'll be pleased to hear. Oh, see, and I think it's school time in particular, I think for disabled children is such an interesting time. And it's not, it's from what I've learned from, from having these conversations with people is that primary school and when you're younger, it's incredible. 
and it's amazing and like you get all yeah. the attention and like people are super willing to help you out and like it's fun and, and everyone's really interested and then you get to your teenagers and suddenly it's like the most effing awkward experience of your entire life so like I don't know what it's like to be quote unquote like a non-disabled teenager but I was a disabled teenager yeah. and that was pretty bad like I don't need to experience yeah. what real bit what like a non-disabled teenager was like because I had it pretty bad. Like being a teenager sucked for everyone. No, like also for us. Like times ten, it yeah. sucks. Times ten. No, it's um it's a roller coaster. Honestly, I don't envy other dis- like disabled teenagers because I'm like, oh, I'm glad I'm out of that one. You couldn't pay me enough, enough money to go back to it. You genuinely oh couldn't pay enough money. Never, never in a million years would I going back to secondary school. And with with that, how did you kind of develop <clears throat> and go down the career path that you went down in terms of like what you do now? How did that all come to fruition from being at secondary school to then going to uni and then extending onwards? Yeah, it's been um it's been a gradual kind of progression and like exploring what I I'm good at and what I enjoy doing. So um it's kind of a long story, but I'll, I'll oh, I love long it. stories. It's a podcast, like speak away. Let's <laughs> go. Okay. Um yeah, so basically always loved fashion, mm-hmm. but like we use the term loosely because it was like Tammy Girl kind of <laughs> stuff. I loved all that. Who didn't but love Tammy Girl? <laughs> literally, what a iconic brand. But yeah, so like always love fashion. Um, it's always been very, very important to me mm-hmm. um, to make myself look how I feel. Because yeah. I think this is going off topic, but like, yeah, I feel like there's, I have so much little control over my body and fashion was always the one thing. I was like, I can make myself look exactly how I feel. Yeah. So yeah, it's always been such an important thing to me. And um, yeah, so when I was about 15, I got an email and I never checked my emails ever. So it was one of those moments that was like just meant to be. Like who checks their emails when they're like 14, 15? Nobody. Um, no one. And it was from a charity for disabled like teenagers and uh-huh. they were offering work placements. And um, I just had a little flick through because I had just done my work experience with school and it wasn't a vibe. It wasn't it. It wasn't um, Went for me, and they had a work placement at you know Diesel, the fashion, yeah. and and I was like, that sounds like a bit of me. I'm yeah. gonna go for this. So I signed up for it, and um, I we I got it because there was only like three of us that applied to do it, and um, so for like I think it was a week in the summer holidays of like 2015, we went to the Diesel head office and. Oh my god! Ever since then, I was like, "This is the industry for me." Yeah, and I think what made it was that the people that worked at Diesel that were like mentoring us and like like doing our whole work experience, they were honestly incredible and so accommodating, and they never made you feel like you were in the way or like you weren't wanted there. And because yeah. we were all disabled as well, we were all wheelchair users, and I think to be like three three wheelchair users in a big like high fashion brand and them to be so lovely to you like I know they sh- people should be lovely but we know that ain't the way of the yeah. world but 
I can't stress how much of like an incredible experience it was. And it actually made me believe in myself so much yeah. that like I can do this. And they they were also really lovely in giving me like reassurance that I am good at this. Yeah. Um, so basically whilst we was there, we had these conversations about like maybe starting like a clothing brand uh-huh. for people in wheelchairs or like disabled people in general. Um, and yeah, so we were like coming up with all these names. Originally it was going to be called Access All Areas. And I was like, cool. <laughs> I thought of that, I was like, I'm proud of that. <laughs> and um, yeah, but like I, the minute we started talking about it, I was like, this is the best thing I've ever heard of in my life. And to be, I think what I was more focused on which is funny because it's now manifested into what I do is the promotional side rather than yeah. the clothes. So I would always imagine like putting on these events or doing um, like photo shoots and yeah. I could just envision this like brand image or like community. Yeah. And um, I couldn't leave it alone. I was like, no, this is special to me. And it, it was like a feeling rather than, yeah, to be honest, I wasn't really that into designing clothes. So yeah. I thought I was. Um, so yeah, from there, I went to college and I did fashion and there was a big focus on design. But whilst I was there, I kind of figured out like, I think it is more like fashion photography, styling, promotion that's for me. Um, it's actually what I'm better at because pattern cutting, I ain't <laughs> got the brain for that. It ain't for me. Um, so yeah from like college era i i got into uni to do fashion communication i'm actually going back to do my final year next week so that's exciting exciting. yeah but um so yeah basically what i'm trying to say is so what i do now is i run look deeper zine um so it's a zine by and for young disabled creatives or just disabled creatives in general and it's like putting disability in a really honest light that reflects yeah. like young crip culture. And it actually isn't for the able-bodied gays. It's not meant to be inspirational. It's just like yeah. honest truth. And it's the space for us to authentically represent ourselves because it seems like mainstream media just couldn't do a good job of it. Um, so yeah, like basically the idea that we had at Diesel, even though it was a clothing brand, it's always been the same feeling and it's had the same energy about it as to what Look Deeper is. So it's just been a gradual like evol- involvement, is that a word? It's Evolution. just evolved. <laughs> Evolution, that's the word. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's been a gradual journey into me discovering like, independent magazines and other publications that I love um, and doing my course, like for me to figure out, like, actually, I don't need clothes to be the medium. The medium can be a magazine. And when I figured that out, my mind was blown and I was like, this is it. This is my thing. And yeah, I just, I love it with all my heart. Like it's my favorite thing in the world to look deeper. Um, yeah, I'm so happy it actually exists now. Yeah. It's always been the idea in my head for so long. 
having your ideas like come to fruition like it is the best feeling and and I know exactly what feeling you're talking about when you say that it was just a feeling and you knew you had to do it because that's exactly how I feel with this and what I love about how you speak about it is that it's it isn't for the able-bodied and it isn't for inspiration because I think far too often that inspirational gaze is is directed like straight away to the disabled community you know like oh my goodness like look at how inspirational it is she can butter a piece of toast and it's like no I'm I'm eating like it's not inspirational like I'm I'm just just eating just Just something I do every day it really ain't that inspirational yeah exactly and I love that that actually it's not for it's not for the able-bodied or the non-disabled because I think you know as a community of people we don't have anything that's just for ourselves we are constantly expected to share and whether that be medical information experiences stories gaslighting stories hardships Mm -hmm. everything that a disabled person it, it is almost like people feel like they have an access all area pass to ask them about anything and everything. And I just, I, I love the fact that it's just, it's for that community alone and like sure able-bodied people or the non-disabled can read it and enjoy it, but it's not necessarily for them, which is great. Yeah. And they, yeah. And like, that's the thing, like we do get non-disabled readers and it's great, but it's like, in a way, it's kind of the perfect way for them to get an honest insight yeah. into disability because it's like, well, yeah, this is actually the honest truth. And it's really important to me that um, Look Deeper always touches on like bigger issues affecting our community. Like there's always space for fashion. I'm a fashion girly. We love that. <laughs> but like it's also really important to me that it's a space for like a form of activism because... Yeah. That is, to be honest, that is what's fueled me to make it is all the injustices and all the things that we are constantly forced to face as disabled people. Yeah. And it's like we needed a space to put that energy and the sadness or whatever it is, the anger um, into it. So, yeah, I think it's it's definitely very honest. It doesn't like to shy away from anything. And I think in terms of it being like, not for the able-bodied gaze, not inspirational. It's, um, yeah, I think like you said, that we're constantly put like on this pedestal of like, this is my story, yeah. this is my medical history. And that's something that's very important to me with Look Deeper is it's not about your medical condition. Like you're welcome to share it. Anyone that contributes, like they can tell us what they want, but there really is no need. You don't even have yeah. to tell me what your disability is it's just more the experience that we want to hear yeah I just I think that's just like if that had been around when I was younger I can imagine I would have like absolutely lapped it up because I think there's there's such a need for it and there's a reason like you know that it's growing and like people want to be a part of it and I think oh just like I'm so excited to see where it goes because I think so many especially (laughs) younger disabled kids and I don't mean to be like patronizing when I'm like younger disabled kids. Cause I still like to class myself as quite young, <laughs> but there, <laughs> yeah. there is a real need for it. And like to have a space where they can just be like, I wake up some days and actually 
being disabled is shit. Doesn't mean that I don't yeah. like being disabled, but sometimes it is just shit. And like, that's okay. Yeah. And like, it's okay to say that and not have everybody around you be like, oh, but you're so lucky to be alive. And you're like, I, I'm, I'm really happy that I'm here, but sometimes it's difficult when the world isn't built for you. Yeah, no, exactly. It really is that balance of like, I'm not like sad about my life or that I'm disabled, but sometimes it's really shit. And a lot of the time it's shit because there's systems that don't do what they need to do to help me live. And sometimes your body is just annoying. And I think you need a space where you can see other people. They experience that as well. And then you're like, okay, like, you know, you're not alone, but sometimes you need that little reminder that like, you're not the only one. There's other people like, let's change the world. Do you know what I mean? Like it gives you that energy to read it and be like, let's do something about it together. Yeah. I like, I completely, I completely, completely understand. Cause as you're speaking about it, I think about the conversations that I've had with this and I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, can, I completely get it because you don't, I think, you know, like as we we've literally just said far too often, disabled people are put on a pedestal for yeah. For a reason that sometimes isn't even necessary. Like it's right, exactly. like it's not and also it's not always wanted. Like surprise, like yeah. not every disabled person wants to be inspirational, like shock horror. That's not why yeah, I was yeah. put on this earth. And and I always I say that my disabled body was not put on this earth to make you as a non-disabled person feel better and or inadequate about your own life. That's not what I'm yes. here for. No, exactly. Like we're not a source of pity. Like we're not just there to make you feel like, oh, my life isn't so bad. Like, yeah, I think that's the thing I've I've noticed a lot is people really do, particularly like people with like quite severe conditions and they look at you and they just think, thank God I'm not like you. Or they're like, oh, thank God I'm like me. And um, it's like, well, what about if you was me? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you need that space where you're like, actually, I am I am me. I was dealt this card in life. Um, so, yeah, let me tell you about it. But, yeah, they just kind of, I've had that, like a lot where people almost think inspirational is a compliment. And I guess in some sense, like, yeah, if, if you love what I do, you just genuinely like me as a person. Yeah. I'll take the inspiration thing. But if it's just because... I get out of bed. Um, I don't think that's a good enough reason. And I think it's just actually quite patronizing. And this. It's, it's really not a compliment. This, exactly. I think I literally wrote a caption the other day that was along the lines of, I'm I'm not an inspiration because I turn up at the gym. If you think I'm an inspiration because of that, then like that's wrong. But I'm an, I would like, I, I personally hate that anyway but like if you see me as an inspiration it's because I work hard or like I'm going after what I want it's not because I'm disabled and I got quite a lot of messages being like is that not being really like selfish and like you're you're like not giving yourself credit and I was like no 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 go and read the caption again right go and read it again (laughs) yeah that is the thing I've noticed as well is that like this goes a little bit off topic but that the disabled people are like told we're being selfish or overdramatic for wanting the bare minimum that like other people just get handed to them all the time like access we're just constantly like oh don't moan or like oh shut up it's like not people close to us but I've noticed it in comments of stuff where 
people be like talking about I don't know like an accessible bathroom being like shoved full of stuff yeah like just, a stock room yeah and that people just like oh just like shut up like just be grateful that they had one and it's like no I actually refuse to stop being grateful for the bare minimum anymore yeah. I think and I used to do that a lot I used to be like oh it's okay don't worry like if you're not accessible it's fine and now I'm kind of yeah I think in my old age of 22 I've just had enough and it's like I'm actually not going to be thankful for what what I should have like mm. just a bathroom and step-free access it's not that difficult no and that's and that's the thing isn't it like asking people's accessibility needs is not difficult and yet it's so yeah. rarely done and like that's that is a problem because everybody's access needs are completely different like what I need for yeah. what, and what you need are going to be two very different things but actually on, yeah. on the surface they're not difficult things to implement at all and it's it's society's yeah. way of almost like having that extra bit of control isn't it and that's where I think it adds fuel to my fire because I'm like fuck you <laughs> I'm gonna literally you yeah if anything it just it fuels you doesn't it to yeah. be like now nah, I'm gonna do something about this yeah for sure and I was wondering do you have like a piece of advice for for either and or and to be fair most people answer for both and I really need to figure out how to reword this question because it doesn't always flow <laughs> that well but would you have a piece of advice for a younger version of you and a younger person with the same disability as yourself? Oh, that's a good question. I, do you know what? I think about this sometimes, about what I would tell my younger self, because, oh my God, this is very off topic. There's a bit in my favourite programme. It's called My Mad Fat Diary. And there's a bit in it where um, she's like, she always tells herself, really horrible things about herself and yeah. there's a bit where her therapist says imagine 10 year old you sitting on that sofa over there and you're telling her that you're ugly you're all these things she was like I can't do that to myself like she's beautiful she's perfect and when I watched that that really struck me because like yeah when I was like a teenager I'm, I'm I still feel it now but like I really do beat myself up a lot yeah. about like the way my body is and just general stuff and I think um was the question for younger disabled people or for just so it's for either like a younger version of you and okay. a younger person with the same disability as you yeah I would say like be kind to yourself and remember that you do have to experience the world differently to non-disabled people and like don't beat yourself up if you can't do something or if you can't yeah. if your body's not allowing you to do something because I've done that for so long and it isn't productive like if your body looks different or whatever um I just constantly compare myself to non-disabled people and it's not healthy to do that yeah. and it doesn't help you at all um and it's easier said than done because I always think back to what I would tell my younger self who was like really shy, didn't have many friends and like couldn't barely talk to anyone. And I was, I always think like, oh, I should have said to myself like, oh, just go, just do it, just talk more. But I remember at the time I was like, I just can't do it. Yeah. Like I just can't. And 
I think you just got to be kind to yourself and trust the process that like if things aren't good now they will be good and you will find your people and you will find your community definitely engage more with your disabled community like um it's oh my god it's been such a powerful thing for me and something I didn't realize it was so needed so yeah yeah that was a weird mixture of advice but that's what I'd say I'm I'm wondering what was uni like when you first went to uni did you find many barriers to access or have, have uni been really good at like helping you out with your what you want and what you need yeah to be honest they were really good like I've been um I say I'm lucky but it's what they should do yeah but they they were incredible like they got the hoist pit in my room like straight away they they've actually built another bathroom in my campus because there wasn't a disabled toilet I could use um because I have to have one with a hoist in it and they like put it in which is incredible and um uni's been an experience because I actually only got six months there before COVID hit and those six months I actually wasn't able to be there properly because I didn't have enough care and I only had honestly so I'm going into final year and this is like my actual uni experience yes it's Um, almost like you're going in as a fresher but in your final year yeah oh god it's been it's been a wild ride it's not been the best but yeah so like first year the uni were great but my just overall experience like the stars hadn't quite aligned and yeah yeah, care wise things weren't ready they were getting there but I actually had to have my mum help me out a lot and when you first move to uni and you're 19 that ain't the one that's not what you want it was fine and all my flatmates loved her but yeah it was an interesting mum's here (laughs) she's coming from the drinks yeah they all called her mama kim they were like oh mama kim can you cook us a roast she was like yeah it was it was actually fine but yeah I think I do think back to it and I just feel a bit upset that I have missed out on that proper experience and even like I said now I'm going back next week but I still don't have enough care to be there all the time so I've got to travel back and forth twice a week to Brighton so yeah it's just um yeah it ain't the one but we're gonna make it work and I think that's something that really needs to be highlighted is that you are someone who receives support and like if that support isn't in place it can really like disrupt <clears throat> your plans of action and that's not something that's yeah. always in your control and that is a no. really big problem it's massive like there's a really big care shortage at the minute i know so many people that just cannot find personal assistance yeah um and it's it's actually something that's kind of been upsetting me a lot recently because I'd kind of never really been that bothered on it and I'd always like a few years ago I had a consistent team of personal assistants so everything was fine and um I've always been quite lucky in the fact that I've never had a high turnover of staff people have often stayed between 10 and four years or like 10 or two years it's I've been very lucky but I've noticed it like recently that I'm like I kind of suddenly realised how much I'm so dependent on having people working with me because my life literally does stop. If I've got no one 
to work. I have to be at home with my mum and dad. And I pretty much don't really get to go out because my parents have to work. So I'm just in my room and it's a big thing. And it's a lot that it's a thing that a lot of people face, um, particularly if they're not offered the full amount of funding for their care. They just have to sit at home. You can't do it. You can't exist without people to help you. And it's, it's, yeah, it's really sad, actually. Um, If anyone wants to apply to be my personal assistant, would love that. (laughs) (laughs) And this actually ties in quite nicely to to what I was going to ask next. And like you said, like you said before, if you're going through hard times, kind of keep going because something good is going to come out of it. And I was wondering during those hard times, have you noticed like a positive attribute about yourself that, when you look back and you think upon reflection, you're really proud of yourself for how you, I don't know, for how you stayed so strong or how you have a really funny sense of humour or is there something that you found that you've got and you're really proud of that? I think um, one thing I have noticed in myself is I always make sure people are aware that they are valid and that I'm really listening to them. Because I remember like in school once it's, such a little thing but it stuck with me I was really nervous to talk to they were my friends we we used the term very loosely and I said something and they just laughed and looked at each other and I was like I literally my heart just sank and yeah there'd be things where I'd get they'd go out to town and not invite me or they'd do things and just I just wasn't included so I think one thing that I have noticed in myself and it's what humans should do but I know like it's kind of been born out of me experiencing that where people aren't interested in you and they don't really care um yeah I'm very very passionate particularly with like people that work for look deeper um I just want them to know how valid they are and how important and that like their ideas are incredible and I'm listening to you and um yeah just always and to always accommodate for people. I don't want people to ever feel like they're too much just for existing. Like you in your natural self, you're not too much. I I will like I'll do all I can to accommodate for you. And yeah, I'd say I think that's probably it. I think that's such a <clears throat> like such a beautiful thing to notice in yourself is that you are you're like very giving and very accommodating for everybody's needs. Because I think, you know, particularly in the disabled community, our needs are different. They're not like Samantha, who's got two kids and she needs to leave early for work. It's like, I need a specific setup at work because of X, Y, and Z. And and if you're able to provide that for someone where it's not always given, that's a really beautiful thing that you can do. And and like how, how like welcoming is that environment that you want to like create and be in? Yeah, definitely. That is actually one of the, biggest reasons why I wanted to start look deeper is because sorry I just need to cough is it right if we you cough you go girl I always get this croaky bit that just appears and it's like and then it just messes up my voice okay I'll go back um yeah it's like it's been one of the big reasons why I wanted to start look deeper and it's kind of been from my own experiences is um people wanting to book disabled models or disabled people for their ads or campaigns or whatever it is. Yeah. They don't want to accommodate for you. Um, I've had it a fair few times 
I'll get an email like, oh, we'd love you to be involved in this shoot. And then I tell them what my access needs are. And I'm like, well, I kind of need to know in advance as well. Like I said, I need to make sure I've got care. Like I can't just go the next day. Um, I need somewhere to lay down to get changed. Potentially, I need to bring a hoist. And the minute I tell them this stuff, radio silence, like you then don't hear back. And it's um, from those experiences, it's fueled me to be like, this is not happening anymore. Certainly not in the look deeper space. Like, yeah, that's been the thing that I'm very passionate about is no one's needs is ever going to be too much for me to try and accommodate. Um, like I did a photo shoot for the second issue. When was it that? Yeah, it was last year now. And um, like me, the model needed to lay down to get changed. So I hunted and hunted and I got a studio with a big sofa and she could lay down in there, get changed. There's plenty of space for everyone. And that was me on like, a, like no budget. So yeah. it really winds me up that like industries can't be bothered to do that. And they don't want to, because I think if you really wanted to, you would put the effort in. Yeah. And what's it like trying to like run, look deeper and going <laughs> to uni? Like, is, is it hard to make the two coincide or is it relatively easy? What's that like for you? Well, it's kind of, um, I've not had to do it too much because yeah. basically uh, when I was in first year, that was actually how Look Deeper was became a zine uh-huh. because we had a project to create a zine. And I was like, oh my God, this sounds good. I'm <laughs> up for this. And um, yeah, so actually the first time I made an issue of Look Deeper, it was actually for uni. Um, and then like I figured out how much I loved it and, like how well received it was so I was like I'm gonna carry on but yeah I've actually been on like a placement year and that was when I brought out so I brought out issue two in January and so I was making it all of like summer last year over Christmas yeah um and then the third one which we're currently making now we've been making it all of this summer so I'm hoping that by the time I go back to uni things would have settled a little bit because I think it would be a lot to do the both do both things at the same time and it's something that I really wanted to push myself to do but I've come to the realization like can't I can't do it all and I think that's okay to realize that like just can't you've got to stagger yourself a bit more as annoying as it is like when you are disabled it's like you do have to take time to rest more than other people Um, as much as I would love to do look deeper and uni at the exact same time it just doesn't fully work but I mean look deeper is still gonna be about when I'm at uni we just won't be like actively making an issue it'll just be like web like stuff on the website and Instagram but yeah it's it's been such a dream honestly so far just been such a gorgeous experience that's that makes my like makes my soul happy because I know I know what it feels like to to produce something and be really proud of it and be like yeah like I've I feel even though it you know like one or two people might see it I've like I've I've done something good for the world and like I feel really proud in that and I think yeah I completely understand yeah. exactly how you feel so I ask every single guest 
do they have like a particular set of like annoying questions that that random people can ask them? And I'll tell you what mine is. So recently I had someone ask me if they could cut up my food when I was out at dinner. <laughs> like a waiter was like, can I cut oh my food God. for you? And I was so like taken aback. I was like, no, I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah. I have, I've, I've never had that experience before. And I was so taken aback and I was like, and you know, the more you think about something, you're like, that is, there are so many reasons why that's so wrong, but also really funny. Do you have any yeah. questions that you get asked that are, are like that for you? Oh God, I've definitely had such a mixture over the years. Yeah. I've had, um, I mean, you always get, it's not questions, more like a unfunny statement where they're like, oh, can I, can I have a go? Because like, you know, they don't mean it, but they're like, can I get in? And it's like, it's not, one, it's not funny. And no, you can't, because where am I going to go if you get in my chair? Um, oh, God, I've had so many. I've had ones where they like, um, they're like, do you want to race? But that's normally like older people all the time. Like, oh, let's have a race. It's like, I'm not five. No, thank you. Like we are not race cars. This is not how it works. This is how thank I get it. Home. Literally, no, thank you. Yeah, it's just been God. I can't even tell you how many I've had. I'm trying to think now. And I've, I've weirdly, I've get people like try and push my chair, and my chair is very visibly electric. And they'll be like, "Oh, you can move it yourself." So like, yeah, you just saw me come in the room. Yeah, I don't need. You me and again it's people feeling like they can just like touch you without your consent don't do that no I think that is quite a common one that I've heard from people who specifically are wheelchair users is that people just feel like they've got like an access all areas pass and it's like you can just like touch their chair or touch touch them and like I wouldn't do that to anybody without consent so why is that applicable like how does that barrier somehow not always seem to be existing for people in a wheelchair like I don't I can't process it because it's not something that I would do I don't I don't get it no it's bizarre people just see a wheelchair people literally see a wheelchair and they don't know how to react they just go a bit like do laddie they're like they just don't know what to say to you and it's actually quite funny like it's it's irritating. Don't get me wrong, but it's actually hilarious because you can you can see people's awkwardness and like not knowing what to do. It's like this is unnecessary. Just chill. It's fine. I'm fine. You're fine. Let's just. You don't have to talk to me. They always feel like they have to say something to you. It's like yeah. you don't. Yeah, you don't actually need to speak right now. Like it's not necessary. Right. Exactly. I have one final question for you, Ellie, and that is. Are you disabled and proud? I am disabled and proud. It's um taken a while to get there. And I think it's something I'm still doing and like not doing. I'm still like learning to be. But yeah, definitely I am now. And I think it's all thanks to finding community amongst yeah. other disabled people. I'm so proud of them. And then it makes me proud of myself. Um, yeah. I am. Oh, well, thank you so much for coming on today. I've really enjoyed this chat. And if we want to find more about Look Deeper, where can we look? Where can we find you? Plug yourself. 
Plug, plug, plug. Okay. Um, so on Instagram is our main platform and it's just at look deeper zine. And if you want to follow me, my account is just at Ellie Darby Pragnall. And we're bringing out our third issue at the end of September. So yeah, grab yourself a magazine. Oh, so exciting. Like I said, thank you so much for coming on today. I really enjoyed this and um, I can't wait to see what's in store for the next ep- uh, issue of Look Deeper. Thank you. No, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. Not a problem. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Disabled and Proud. If you've enjoyed the show, then please give it some love by leaving us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts. It really helps us to reach more and more people each week. Plus, if you've got a particular highlight, then I'd absolutely love to hear it. Tag me on your Insta stories at Disabled and Proud Podcast.